Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome back, folks, to another Call That Girl's Office 365 show. This is Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 16. This week, we have Al from Admin Admin. Admin Admin is a podcast show, and Al, I believe, where are you from again? Uh, from the United Kingdoms, across okay. the pond. Across the pond, the UK, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, and Al has his own show, and he talks about Office 365 a little bit. I've taken a peek at some of the shows, listened a little bit. Al, you do kind of work on other techie tech topics, though, as well, right? Yeah, all sysadmin stuff, networking, domains, VMware. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was kind of getting too techy for me. I was like, you know, it runs outside of my interest level, but I did catch a few that had Office 365, but sounds like you're kind of an all-around technician, right? Yep. Cool. Well, before we get into the show here, I always promise my people in the beginning, um, and we'll talk about your, your podcast show later, is the all-killer, no-filler. People like hearing the drama and all the problems I have right away, so Al, feel free to jump in. And add to the stories if you want to, because I'm sure with uh, your work, you've got the equivalent to my drama. We all have it in tech world. It never ends, does it? No, it never, never. <laughs> something new every day. That's what I love about the job, because you never know what you're going to do when you wake up and you're going to work out. You're gonna no, learn it's learn like some them. people wake up and they have an accounting job, and you know they know what they're going to do all day. They are going to be an accountant all day, where we are like, we never know what's going to come in our way. And um, that's one thing I do love about my job, um, except for this week was not very good, Al. No. This, this week was, I would consider, the first working week of the new year, and it was hell week. And every job was two hours long, and every job was me working with the client, like, on the phone, diagnosing, troubleshooting, teaching, fixing the whole time. And normally... When someone calls with a problem, I can say, hey, let me get you off the phone and I can go do my work, you know. So it's it's nice. I talk to them for a little while and then I go and do some of the work and I call them back and we fix a few things and we're done. But this one was really tough. I mean, it was just like bang, bang, bang. And I worked 15-hour days Monday through Thursday. And that's a lot, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was just dead and... Every night I was like going to bed and I even posted on Technoble. I'm like, I couldn't even have a drink until 9 o'clock. I mean, you can't, it was so exhausting for me. And then I was so tired. But I don't expect moving ahead, you know, for it to be this slamming busy. I don't know about you. Are you been pretty busy this week? Yeah, I've got a kind of couple of projects which I'm working on which is going off, uh, which has actually been PO came through last week. And then, uh, yeah, we're just going through all the documentation this week and making sure that everyone agrees with who's doing what, and then we can actually hopefully start on Monday morning for about another three weeks' worth of work to do. So. Oh, did I hear the word P.O., purchase order? Yes. Oh, that's, that just, that's, those are words I don't hear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that aren't in Al's tech world, uh, there's a lot of other terms he might be using. We'll ask him to explain as he goes. Yes. Well, Al, one job I had, which... It's kind of funny because I Google or I put out on Google that I help everybody with Outlook. So I get all these crazy messes that, you know, come through. And this is kind of a neat one, even though it was very exhausting. The guy um, 
called and said, Lisa, I've been with Google Apps for some time now, and for some reason my email won't send receive, so I've been working with Google and they've been trying to fix it, and my Outlook isn't working. I can't send anymore. I can receive, but I can't send. And I'm like, well, okay, well, let me remote in and look at the settings, you know, which Google Apps is standard IMAP, you know, nothing fancy, right? Well, I look in there and it says Mappy. Now, I'm like, where did they come up with this? Is this something new Google is doing? He told me that the tech put them on an exchange server. Right. So, does this make any sense to you, Al? Yeah, well, would would. Uh, before, before I get to technical, before <laughs> Exchange 2013 and Office 365, Mappy is the way your app that connects to the Exchange server. So that's what a Mappy connection is. So like you get IMAP and POP3, as you say, for Google Apps. The way it connects to Exchange, the proper way, is through the Mappy connection. But see, I've never seen that. This is like... This is where it's good to have two techs with two different levels of knowledge because in all my years of troubleshooting Outlook, the only mappy connection I've ever seen is old school Hotmail mm -hmm. or old school something else. I mean, yeah. even with Exchange, it has an Exchange server. It doesn't use mappy from my from what I know. Okay. Mappy's mappy's the back end of it. It's, it you don't see it. It's the back end protocol. Okay. For it. I take your word for it. It's just something that as a support person, I don't need to get into the server end of things, and I've never seen it. So when this guy said I was put on an exchange server, I said, okay, whatever tech told you that was just filling you full of garbage because regular Google apps should be IMAP as far as I know. And so I couldn't get into the settings, Al, to change the mappy settings for anything so he could right. send it or Steve. It was like done and done. And uh, what had happened is the Google tech set him up with two different profiles. So it had his name, Google Apps 1, and his name, Google Apps 2. And by the time I got to him, he had two more profiles. Mm -hmm. He had four total. And he showed me his profile, and he goes, look, Lisa, here's the Mappy server, and here's my other server that he had below it in another PST file that they had exported out. And he said, half of the, half my email's missing. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, well, can you put me on Exchange right now because I just need my email to work. So I did a quick hustle, got him over to Exchange. Uh, as I was importing mail, I basically set up his profile in his current uh, Google Apps one so I could move the mail easier. A few days later, he calls me and says, now I have more mail missing. He didn't realize he had more missing because people have a lot of mail. Luckily, I, I did not delete any of those profiles. So that's a tip for people is I really hate deleting profiles because that's where some of the juice is. You know, if you delete a profile, things can go away. <laughs> so I'm, always, what? I'm always really scared of deleting stuff. I don't like, I have but to no. double check, double check, no. double check. No, I only believe I delete profiles actually probably never. Um, I always leave them and tell people not to open them and I just set it to always open to the new one. People don't know how to go into the control panel anyway to mess with it. But uh, anyway, he called me a few days after the exchange and said he was missing mail, and I go into his old, old, old profile, and there was all his mail, thank God. Yeah. So, I mean, he was kind of one of those people. Um, it was a quick flip, got him off it. I just don't understand, you know, how Google can can do that to people, and then they couldn't support him. You know, and that's why I say to people, it's important that you have good support, you know. So, to me, I don't know, I'm not a fan of the Gmail platform at all and how that all works, but... That was one of my issues this week, and then 
saw the mother load, Al. <laughs> I saw <laughs> the. It wasn't the biggest PST file I've ever seen in my life, but I've seen the most amount of mail I think ever. 168,000 emails in one PST file. I, I maybe I've never looked enough before. I've seen bigger PSTs. Like this one was 20,000. Or sorry, yeah. it, was tw it was 20 gigs. I've never seen the the 168,000 number before. And when I looked after it was done populating, it took like 10 minutes to load. Yeah. I was like, "Lady, you are in some serious problems here. Like we got to get you off and out of this PST file." And you know, luckily her email was it was um she called me initially because it wouldn't uh, send anymore and she couldn't receive actually. That was it, sorry. And her IT department said we can't do anything about this. And she has a managed IT company. And I'm like, well, why can't they do anything about it? And she said, because they don't know how to fix it. Ugh. I'm like, okay, so you've, you've set someone up on things, but you can't fix their problem. So anyway, I ended up, uh, she was set up on POP. So I ended up taking the four email accounts that she had, and I went to a new profile in Outlook and downloaded and did not keep a copy on the server. So basically, I got all the servers stripped out. And because all of the email was already in the 168,000, what it was doing when she was trying to send receive, it was downloading 45,000 emails mm -hmm. from the server, which is a glitch. So, no, sorry, maybe this is confusing, but when she called in, that was one of her concerns was she was downloading 45,000 new emails and she couldn't send or receive whatever. So anyway, then I went back to the old profile and turned off, don't keep a copy on the server and tested it and everything worked fine. And then finally she calls me back and says, oh, my iPhone, I can't get my mails there. So I checked the boxes again. She could get her email there. And I now put her on a four-part game plan to fix her Outlook, which is, in short, uh, we need to part out that PST file because, really, it was only 10 gigs of mail. It was a 20-gig PST file, so 10 of it was corrupted. And once you get that fixed, because that could break, you know, and cause her whole PST to be down for some uh, time. So put her on a, uh, that, and then we're going to plan a exchange migration of her six people on her team. Yeah. So was it all in one folder, all these items? Were they, were they, were they in separate folders, these 20,000 items? Oh, no, it was all in one. But here's the winner, Al. She had 15 other PST files in her Outlook. So it wasn't like she just had one. She had 15 others. So this is why to those, I'm going to call them nuke and pave Outlook techs, you know, like when there's a problem, they're like, oh, let's just set up a new profile. I've even seen some techs blow away the old profile first. I'm like, I'm going to say this. You don't blow away a profile that doesn't work. You go make a new one so the other one's there because you can fix that. Anyway, because there are nuke and pavers in my world too. Uh, so basically I did not use her new profile because I already seen she had 15 PSTs and the old one and who wants to spend an hour setting all that up? No. No, not me. Um, my next job was kind of um, an easy one but you know I, I did an email migration about six months ago for a lady that had about 15 groups of contacts in iCloud. Have you ever worked with iCloud, Al? Uh, is that the Apple product or? Yeah. It's Not like really, now, well, if you ever get a migration and people forget to tell you that they have uh, contacts on the iCloud, good luck. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> so anyway, I finally did get all her contacts down, but 
she basically had everything categorized and wanted everything perfect on her phone. And since we'd already done the categorizing and spent two hours fixing that because she had them all messed up, um, we sorted them into new sub contact groups. So with the exchange, that's kind of the nice thing is that you can have a bunch of groups that show up on the server separately and on your phone. And a lot of people like that because I don't know why they categorize their life that way, but they do. I certainly do not do that. No. Do you do that, Al? <laughs> no, not really, no. just have my one lot of contacts. So. Yeah. We're kind of simple people, I think. I mean, even though I have a lot going on, I still don't have that many different contact groups, but... Um, let's see, then I had, um, then I got a call from a client that wanted to pay me to help them set up Outlook.com as their contact server. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. Yes. <laughs> client calls in and says, hey, three of us want to share a contacts list. What's the best way? So what would you say, Al? Uh... If they're running exchange or something like a distribution list or something like a public folder or something on along that kind of lines. Yep, but that's that's uh, they're not in a corporate world. No. So when people ask, you know, call me and ask that, I say, well, are you on exchange? And they say, no, we're on IMAP. Yeah. And I go, okay. So I'm like, how do three people share a contact list? So here's what I give people as an option. There are now for text listening. Um, just to let you know, I quit saying the product of what I'm going to use because people will take your idea and go, yeah, we'll call you back, and then they don't call you back, and they go do it themselves. So when you're pitching someone that you can do a job for them, I try to sometimes not say the product or what I'm doing. I'll just say I can do it for them. But anyway, there's kind of only two that you can use. I know that Gmail has some contact syncing, but I don't use that. Outlook.com has a contacts. Um, Outlook.com is a is a mini server of sorts. So if if you have somebody that wants to be on a server but not pay the sixty bucks a year, you can you can put them on Outlook.com and uh, just for the calendar and contacts portion, and it works pretty nice. It's a little delay in the server delivery, but free is free, you know, so you can't complain. It was actually based on the old, it's all based on Office 365. You just don't get to see the full functionality of it, though. Because that's yeah, why you do. Except you don't get to have your domain name. Yes. I mean, I, there's some functionality within Outlook you can't do, like copy folders. Yeah. That's one that sucks. People are like, oh, I can't do that. I go, no. But uh, you can, see, I'm sneaky. I go into the portal of Outlook.com, and that's where I do a lot of my importing and my management of stuff. But... Yeah, these three guys called. They wanted to share contacts. I set up a two-hour appointment, and they had 17,000 contacts. I didn't know they were going to use it as a CRM system. Yeah. So that changed after hour two. I'm like, ooh, you guys really want – you didn't tell me all that. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, and there's only three guys on the team. I was like, why don't you guys just go to exchange, you know? I don't think it was a money thing, though. I think that they just don't want to mess up what they had going on. People like their methods, don't they? If, if they know one way of doing it, then that's the way they like to do it. Yeah, but little do they know that once people are on exchange, they're like in heaven, and they don't miss that dumb IMAP anymore. I don't know. All right, well, let me see what else. Oh, and then here's my favorite job, and this will be the end. So I had a client call in. He had iCloud problems. I fixed that. No problem. Then he uh, said, okay, I need to upgrade my Outlook 
the 2010, so I spent some time with him getting that done. And yeah. then he calls and says, Lisa, now, Al, you can play guess the problem, okay? Right. He goes, Lisa, the only time Outlook will open is when you're remoted in. <laughs> now, what do you think that is? He's alone. He can't open Outlook, but when I'm remoted in, it opens just fine. Hmm. Interesting. I know, because this took me a long time, because I thought he was crazy, and he thought he was crazy, too, because I said, how can this be? I'm not doing anything magical. He goes, I don't know, Lisa, but it's really weird. Maybe he likes to hear your voice when he... <laughs> yeah. Well, he is my new client coming up doing a 15-person migration, so I did win that job, but <laughs> but the point... But here's the... This is a big one. You can't even Google this problem, Al. I looked... <laughs> trust me, I'm a Google tech, too, and I did all the basic troubleshooting, right? Yeah. When you're in Outlook, you, t you test the plugins, you test the firewall, you test the antivirus, you do it in safe mode, right? Mm -hmm. you, you got the list, right? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, I use, luckily, I use Log Me and Rescue. Here's the next tip for you. When I remote in, I turn off the graphics. Right. So what's that tell you? When I remote in, I turn off the graphics. So when I'm remoting in, it opens for me. But when I'm not remoted in, it doesn't work. Is it like like it's not on this, his screen or something, or the graphics is being hit hit by another icon or something? Or well, here's what I determined it to be: is that when I'm remoted in, I disable the graphics. That's why Outlook opens. When I'm not remoted in, his graphics was giving his Outlook a problem. Right. Okay. Outlook 2013 has a graphics accelerator in it, mm -hmm. and I had already tried turning that off in my troubleshooting. Yeah. So I Googled like crazy, couldn't find anything, and then I decided to uh, I pass off work to my back tech, and he upgraded the NVIDIA graphics card, and he I think he installed the NVIDIA experience. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Graphics that, driver then. That was it. <laughs> oh, my God. I was so happy. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was – it was almost like the coolest troubleshooting job I've ever done. Yeah. Because it wasn't in Google, you know, like and, – and, and, I mean, I do a lot of stuff that's not Google, but to me, like, you just couldn't find that in Google at all. How do you how do you search for it? That's the thing, isn't it? The search term. Well, see, here's how Google. I mean, in my world, is I already know how to fix a bunch of stuff, but sometimes when I have to determine, you know, there's a, a interesting problem when I go out and Google, I put in long strings of of words that are exact to what I'm looking for because a lot of times Microsoft will have the answer, which I need from them because it's their product. You know, and sometimes I get it from other forms, but a lot of times my strings are just, you know, I put in different things, you know, to more than just like my Outlook won't open. I say Outlook won't open, blah, 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 blah. And then I can, you know, find, you know, registry fix or whatever I'm looking for, you know. So does that answer your question? Yeah, about the view. Yeah. Going quickly, going back, I was having a quick think about how you could do that that, that syncing of the uh, the contacts. Yeah. Because you can use card dev, can't you? Or card dev to synchronize contacts between between systems. What's card dev? Well, it's a bit it's a bit of a Linuxy thing, but it's it's on the service. I think it's actually what iCloud uses for its contacts. So you know, you get IMAP, which says your email. Oh, you mean um, V card? Well, it, I think the back-end project is called Cardav. Cardav. Oh, yeah, it's like the DAV. Okay. Yes. Okay, gotcha. And that's, on, and that's how I know people think, like, if you've got IMAP, if you want to 
I know a couple of Linux people who kind of map. That's how they map their email. Sorry, they map their contacts. So I'm guessing you could use use that kind of thing to uh, sync your contacts. I'm guessing there must be corporate or uh, products out there what do what provide that service for you. So. Well, here's the thing about iCloud is that if somebody has Outlook and they want to sync with iCloud, they have to install the iCloud control panel, and then um, it works on 2007, 10, and 13. But you have to install it the right way. See how the people install it the wrong way and it doesn't work. So once you install it the right way, then your iCloud will match your iPhone and your Macs and everything else that you have with the iCloud. Now, if you don't have it installed in Outlook and you want to export the iCloud through iCloud, you know, I've only done it once and it was a pain in the ass and I will probably never do it again. I'd rather just install it on my own computer and get their stuff, you know. Because, I mean, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out these little snaggy problems. And, um, and um, anyway, uh, I'm just trying to think of a way to close this. Um, con anyway, contacts, I don't do deal with Linux at all, so I don't know um, in that world what they do to synchronize. Mm -hmm. But do you use a lot of Linux? Uh, yeah, I do outside of work and stuff and do back-end oh. stuff. So, yeah. It's just a different way. Well, IMAP is mainly Linux stuff anyway. The back end stuff yeah. is, is Linux. So. Well, there's no Outlook work in Office there. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right, Al. Well, that's kind of my drama for the week. I can always pick up other stuff, but let's move on to uh, talk about you and what you're doing with the podcast show. Yep. Yeah, so I kind of host a show uh, with, in, in the UK. We kind of, I was kind of, I couldn't find a podcast which did what I wanted it to do, talking about servers and more of a, a sysadmining, not doing the outlook kind of thing or doing the virus removals. I wanted a podcast which is more about what I did in my day-to-day -day job. So that's why I started the podcast. And I actually put out a shout on the Mike Tech show. Uh, and that's where I met my friend Andy. So... <laughs> So that's why me and him got together and then we did this podcast. So we did basically each week we normally have a topic and uh, about something, uh, server-wise, VPNs, exchange, oh, something. So you're the, you're the network admin. Yes. So. Uh, oh, I was kind of like wondering what admin admin meant. It's network admin and network admin. Well, it's a, it's a bit of a pun on the on the routers you normally get. So you normally get yeah. your normal route and your default password is, or well, username is admin, the passwords. Oh, funny. So you, so, so default username is admin and the part default password is admin. So, uh, that's, oh, so it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing. So, uh, <laughs> so we normally just have people just talk about like I do, like usually like to do. I like to talk about what I've been at work doing the week and and we just yeah we just have a chat really. I mean I like the podcast where just like me and you chatting kind of thing. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's nice. So. It's kind of like the old servers show from Podnuts. Yes. Yes, and, and and I we were doing I did I did one of those, but the problem we have is is is, is trying to get the timing is really hard to get everyone. Obviously, I'm in the UK and is is getting the timing to do the people like in America. So that's why finally went went out to look for a, a UK or European uh, co-host so that we could do it a lot more easier. Oh yeah, I deal with that too. I was telling you earlier off off the offline. It's tough. It's tough to find the time to do it. You know. But yeah. well, it seems like you guys have only been around since July. You've had some success, and you're you're being consistent more than I am. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, they'll be in the show notes, a link to their uh, podcast show. Now, Al, so, oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, do you want me to go through my first Office 365 experience? Kind well, of thing? that's what I was going to do is my usual question, well, my new usuals. And uh, you know what? I lost the link. Hold on. Um, one second here. So why don't you tell, now is this a corporate level one or is this one not corporate? Uh, so it was a small company uh, who had two sites and they had about seven users at each site. Okay. And they each had an exchange server on each site, but they were interconnected so that it was all the same exchange organization. So, uh, and they wanted to move to Office 365 and because they were running an old Windows 2003 and Exchange 2003. Yeah. And they didn't want to, they didn't want to pay the money to go to buy the new, new hard, new server. Yeah. And the migration okay. costs, obviously, if they wanted to stay on site, they'd have to go to Exchange. I'd have to do migration to Exchange 2010. And then to 2013, so it's like mm -hmm. double the amount of work and oh, yeah. consultancy fee. So uh, we got that was my first Office 365, and it was a manual export of the PSTs. Uh, so on the so what I we did is that uh, on the Friday evening uh, we basically well, the problem also they had is they all had XP machines as well, which is a nightmare with Office 365. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like this. Zoinks! <laughs> yeah. So Office, so Office, so Windows XP and Office 2003 or 2007. Uh, so we were basically replacing all their PCs with brand new PCs, uh, Windows 7, and and they brought the Office 365 where you get the uh, version of Outlook. Yeah. For the Office product with it. So what we did is at the weekend, on the, at the evening, we basically transferred the MX records over so that all the mail was pointing to the new. Okay. Office. And uh, we basically, before that, we gave everyone web access. We Good. installed Chrome on We basically installed Chrome on everyone's machine, and uh, so they get a nice experience. And they basically, Monday morning, they came in. They basically went to Office Chrome, Office 365, OWA to access their emails. And then at HPC, depending, they made a list of who was most important. We went into their PC. How many people was it again? Seven people at each site. Oh, nice. Okay. So we went into the PC. We basically, uh, on their PC, we basically just did a migration for everything on there. We did, so we did a two migration. We did a little workspace migration. And so instead of trying to export their PST machine on that machine to slow this machine process down, we just I did it on a separate machine. So I had a, a standalone workstation set uh -huh. up. With a Office 2010, and I basically just export everyone's PS, everyone's file to a PST. Uh -huh. So they had a new, they had a new PC, and they could have. Then obviously then they had a new Office 2013, and it was all working fine. And when I exported to a PST, annoyingly they had a really rubbish internet connection. So. Ooh, hate that. So I basically we were using hard drives, and we just basically at the end of the day. We basically took the hard drive back to our office and just started. We just had another PC at the office. Well, actually, a laptop. We and I put. Uh, we just put the. Uh, we basically set their profile up for them and literally imported their mail. And we've got 100 meg links to the internet. So in the office, so, nice. it. so in the morning when they logged into Outlook, obviously their mail started coming through. But like the good thing was that when they were, if they wanted to access anything on their old email, obviously they could use the OWA address of their yeah. old Exchange server to access it. So. They were happy for doing that, so they, whichever way they wanted to go, they could access their email, and they had the new system. So I had a couple of issues when I did that. One of them was that obviously I had lower bandwidth. The other thing was is that one of the people I had exactly the same issue as you is that 
they this one the guy, the accountant guy, had like ten thousand items in his inbox, yep. and it took forever and ever and ever to get the item count correct. And I'm always very scared about that I'm going to lose someone's mail. Yeah. So it took me a couple of times to import it to get the to get the the item count to match up, basically. So here's, here's one thing, Al, that you said that um, I've never done before is imported something twice. Um, for, you know what? Here's what I do, and I think when you said that you uh, backed up the PST files, um, when I import them in, sometimes I don't import, believe it or not, sometimes I just open the PST and I, cop, I copy all the folders because the copy goes fast, right? Yes. Then it takes time to synchronize with the server. Yeah. Now that I kind of judge it based on the client, and and if someone does have like, you know, ten thousand emails, I will import it in. But I've learned that I just like copying the folders now for some reason. It goes fast on Outlook, and then I tell the clients, look, it's synchronizing. Use the portal, and you you get email. But, well, you can send, but you can't receive, and I kind of just say that. So I've changed a little bit because of that. The importing process can get messed up, you know. So I just copy and paste it, and it's been working just fine. I mean, not every client has an, an Outlook nightmare going on. You know, some of them are super easy. When you have a person, you know, in Office in Outlook, you can say how often you want it to sync to mail. Do you just leave it at 12 months, or do you slide it to the end? Do you know oh, I just leave it defaulted. I don't ever change it. Uh, let me see what I have on mine right now, actually. I've Actually, that's not even something I go and even set. Yes, yeah, I'm worried that sometimes if you've got someone who's been using Exchange like forever and then you import the mail, I just wonder how it, yeah. it only downloads the mail, doesn't it? So, like, You know what? I have it set to keep mail offline, I think, at uh, six months. Yep. So no one's ever needed that. Now, Al, I am starting to move people to um, archiving programs. It's been something that people are bringing up that they want. So I've been talking to my vendor about that. Um, not sure if that's something that everybody needs, you know. I mean, not every small business needs archiving. But When when you ask people for your migration, do you tell them, if you do migration, do you get people to empty their, their deleted items or go through their outlook before you do the migration? Or Honestly, all my people are hoarders. They don't want anything. They want it all. Sorry. Uh, here's what I do is instead of spending like the extra time to go through each computer to see what I'm dealing with, I go in with the firefighter mentality of I'm fighting the whole fire as is. Okay. So the only thing though that I, I, I haven't had to deal with was an old XP computer, but even XP, you know, can be exported out and, you know, brought back in. It's just if it's not, if it's 2003 mm. and that's really, nobody has that anymore. But guess what? If they do, I move the PST over to my computer through my log me and rescue, and I do all the migrating on my computer. Mm -hmm. But it's been a long time since I've had to set up a 2003 Exchange server. In fact, I don't even know if I've done one in a long time. You can't. For one thing, you have to upgrade to at least seven. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think you can install Office 2013 on Vista either anymore. No, you can't. No. It, it has to. But yeah. I'm going. I'll go on to. Another, I've got another migration which I'm going on to on in a minute, which is oh, good, juicy. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> because you've also got to be careful because they're going to drop support for Office 2007 with Office 365. Oh not, darn because, it! 
because it's so easy. <laughs> because they only support Office 365 with a supported service pack. And yeah. I think you find that 2007 is going to be dropped soon. Not, not, don't know when, but it'd be worth yeah. remembering. So yeah. The other thing as well is had two other two issues I had on this site. Okay. One was is the issue that one woman used categories and the category didn't seem to get imported. What's and a category? I remember, you know when you can color code things. Oh, category, so, yeah. Yeah. So you can then you have to I have to you have to right click the mailbox and because she was running Exchange yep. 2003 and I obviously imported yep. it. You have to right click on the mailbox and get a properties or something. And then you have to go yep. uh, update the categories or whatever and then it. That's new. Now, I've seen that. I don't think 2010 had that. That's upgrade to color categories, and that can take some time. It's like a, um, indexing. Yeah, it didn't. the colors didn't look, didn't go across, but they all must have been in the PST file somewhere because I had yeah. to go to that, they, that and, and she was really relieved. She go, I can't work without these category colors. I can't, that's, that's, that's how I organize all my work. So I don't understand the category mentality, but I have a ton of clients on it, so I just try to understand their mentality, and that works for me. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of little snags, Al, that can come with uh, migration work. And, you know, um, you said, you know, your, what was your biggest snag again? That the um, that you had to import it twice and yeah. the colors, maybe. That's it, right? There's one more thing. It's one drive and SharePoint. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about this on email, but when we do stuff for work, we do a thing called a statement that works, uh, which the customer has to sign. It's basically a thing that says, this is what we're doing, and this is what we're not doing, so that we, we know the customer, so who knows what we're doing. And yeah. uh, we in the customer documentation, all the thing was about was doing the Office 365 migration, nothing to do with OneDrive or SharePoint, okay? Okay. But, but of course, the CEO wanted to do OneNote on his la on his on his iPad. Oh, the OneNote. <laughs> and then sync it with his desktop. And I could not get understand why he could log into his OneDrive, sorry, his uh, OneNote on his PC and he could create documents, but when he was on his OneDrive, sorry, his OneNote, sorry, on his iPad, it wouldn't I couldn't see it. Like we every time he tried to put his username and password in, which oh. we was using for his uh, the OneNote application, it wouldn't let him logged in. What it was is that, you know you get the onmicrosoft.com yeah. address. If I use the onmicrosoft.com address for his thing, it let him logged into the the uh, OneNote application. But because what I'd done in the past was somehow he had his email address, because obviously you know when you can, in Office 365, you can log into Office 365 using your onmicrosoft.com address, or you can yeah. use your email address, can't yeah. you? Well, he had registered his email address, his, his work email address with Microsoft at some point in the past. And it was not, somehow it had got his Nickerson twist and it mucked everything up. Yeah. And he couldn't log in with it. But as soon as he put his on Microsoft.com address in, uh -huh. boom, straight in. And he could see his documents. Well, um, I will tell you that probably four or five times a week, I have to sit and do the let's put in your account and it never works. People have too many. They have signed up with so many email accounts that they don't even know what they're doing anymore. I get paid to literally babysit accounts and passwords. And then finally, finally they figure it out. And I'm like, don't forget that now. The, 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 when people are signing up for things, Al, they don't tell you. Right. And I had a, I had a six-person firm using the on Microsoft account for over a year until they were like, we need SharePoint, and something was messed up with the on Microsoft, so I had to move their whole. I had to do a migration, and it was full because 
I, well, it was more of a transition within the Microsoft site, but everything was still on their computers was messed up. I mean, it was a big mess. But um, the, here's what I wish clients would do is before they do anything is call a tech and say, how do we do this? You know, and then you can do it the right way and sell them the right stuff. And that kind of takes me to, um, I know you want to talk about SharePoint and OneDrive. I don't know if you want to talk about just what you just said. My story is a lot bigger. Yeah. I got to tell you that because I'm quitting it all. <laughs> That's bigger than what you have. I'm quitting. And annoyingly as well, saying that is that that customer had chosen, they had tried Office 365 before yeah. they, went, they came to us and they'd used the OnMicrosoft.com name they wanted to use for their, their yeah. thing. But because it was already a trial and that's expired, yeah. they, couldn't, they couldn't use that thing. Yes. I had to create them a new one, which is like which well, make no sense to them at all. So. Yeah, you could actually release the domain from Microsoft in the settings. Mm -hmm. So that I learned the hard way too, um, by talking to Microsoft for two hours to find out in their domains of their Office 365 it says release domain in a tiny area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, Al? Here's the here's the thing about um, Office 365 is the more I'm getting into it the more I want out of it, I think. Now, the thing is, is I don't want out of the exchange or helping people by office. I've learned that my clients that have companies under 10, 15 people, they don't need a robust SharePoint site. They just want file sharing. They don't really want OneDrive because it's not meant to be for corporate file sharing. It's supposed to be for personal. And that's where when people use OneNote, that gets saved by default as in OneDrive, okay? Then my clients aren't taking advantage of Yammer because they don't have a SharePoint site up. And Link is for, you know, team communication. So really, I'm only supporting two of the products of Office 365 and buckling down when clients call in, Al. I say, what do you need done? Well, let's talk about your problems. And they always say their email, they want it synced, they want this and that. And then I say, what are you doing for file sharing? Almost all of them use Dropbox. So why would I take people off a program that works to take them to SharePoint that is horrendous and doesn't synchronize and it doesn't really work for a small business. It's for a corporate intranet. And I only had this problem starting when OneDrive, got or OneDrive started to hijack SharePoint when he did the desktop application installation. Have you done that yet? Yep, that's one that's going to talk about. So. Good, because you know what? It's bullshit, and I'm calling it. I'm just so tired of it, I can just spit nails. So go ahead, tell me your drama. <laughs> well, so that's my first exchange uh, migration, and then a couple more I've done so far is using the not more sites have done more more. Uh, they've had a they've had better internet connections. So I've used a product called Code Two, as so I think one of the guys talking talk about the other shows, which is basically like a bit of software you install on the server, and it syncs all the exchange up in the background, so you haven't got to yeah. worry about doing the office mic the data exporting the PST. So then it, I've done a number of those and it all works good. And the latest one I've got is that it's one of our customers, one of our smallest customers, and I've got ten users with a server on site and they want to get rid of their server completely. Mm, so it's, it's interesting, yeah. So uh, they want to so they've got a basically an SBS two thousand eight server with a, which has got Exchange two thousand seven on it. Okay. Yeah. And they've got no applications stored on the server. So they, they, their Sage is a product and I is in the UK. It's like their accounting software. That's all in the cloud. They don't worry about migrating that. And they've also got is that they've got uh, all they're doing is file sharing and they've got redirected documents for my documents 
onto okay. the server. So what we're doing is we're going to migrate them to Office 365, uh, and that's the easy part using Code 2. But the harder part is that they want to get rid of the server. So for a start of all their machines are on the domain, so they're all going to have to come off the domain if they get rid of the server. But it's what they want to do for storing their documents on the uh, where they're going to store their where they're going to share their short share store their shared document and their my documents going to be backed up to. So uh, the way I actually listen to your podcast actually made me go and look into this because I didn't know how much of an ache it was to look at doing SharePoint and stuff. So. Well, I already can tell you that um, the one thing when I worked in the corporate environment that was awesome about SharePoint was was that um, they had it, the, the corporation I worked for had a SharePoint administrator. And they had it configured, so it was awesome. But back then, 2005, six, we had um, map drives that did a lot of our stuff for us, you know. And basically, if you were on the corporate network, you were fine. But a lot of our technicians did work right out of SharePoint. So when they clicked on an Excel file, it just poof opened up. Well, see, now they've got it all tightened and locked down that you either have to download it first, then open it, then save it, and then upload it again. And maybe I'm wrong here. But, um, you know, it's really gotten too, almost too tightened for a small company. My clients want to be in Outlook and click attach a file and not have to go through the whole browser and then download it and then attach it to Outlook. They want it just like in a shared map drive. Now, if, if you can do that, I have a video out there, Al, on how to map uh, Windows for SharePoint. It's wonderful, unless it breaks. And then you have to teach people how to remap their own drive, which there's a simple one-minute thing to do, right? I figured that out. But if you want to do a permission-based SharePoint on the desktop side, that's where I'm not sure that's going to work. Right. Because I don't think I, I've never seen the subfolders, and none of, none of my clients need that. I work with small companies that all share the same folders, you know. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, I never used SharePoint until about four years ago, and then... My company I moved to, where I'm working for now, uses SharePoint all the time, and I just got so much. We don't. I don't even use network drives anymore. <laughs> we just yeah. use SharePoint. And the problem yeah. with SharePoint is, if you're using SharePoint online with all, what's well, called team sites in Office 365. Yes. You need it. You need to have Office 2013. You have to really have Office yep. 2013 to work it. So what I found out is that, so you got. I understand that OneDrive is so that. I was called to set it up so that OneDrive is where the users can, if they want to save something to the cloud, they want to make sure it's backed up, save it to your OneDrive folder. And I always yeah. show the customer to, whenever I get, what is this what I found out? Because I also found out, I didn't realize that between until I did my, my first migration, there's a difference between online OneDrive for business and OneDrive for personal. Oh, hold on. Let me have a, my eyes. <laughs> I'm blind, Al. I'm blind. I hate that. That, that's that's where all this pain started, Al. Is when there's two of them. Yes, and that's why <laughs> I can work out. So I always go because it's really confusing because I was like, guys, come on, save it in my OneDrive, but then I realised that you're doing it in this personal drive. So what I always do is I get to go the person to log into the Office 365 portal. We go to OWA, click on OneDrive, and click on Sync with the PC. That will then sync your PC up. Um, that will then if, your if, if it works, Al, that's the next thing. If it works. Right. Okay. If you have someone um, where I get, where the problems I see are that um, people will be on one computer trying to synchronize a large amount of data and it never synchronizes, so then really nothing ever really synchronizes. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
it's not the the like unlimited data you know drive through mm -hmm. it's it's uh i've seen that and it's difficult um the, you know i told you just recently i've been seeing when i was trying to install sharepoint on the desktop that all of a sudden they'd have one drive and then i'd see this one drive for business being in there and i'm like what's going on and it and, and just would not work i could not get sharepoint to be just a regular folder not a map drive and mm -hmm. uh after a frustrating couple three clients i said look i'm not going to help you with this you can either go find someone else that knows this but good luck because not a lot of people do in fact right. we should probably explain to people what sharepoint is al because i don't think a lot of people even know and second of all i said just use dropbox there's three of you people and it works awesome and so basically they're like yeah we just want something that works lisa they don't care about the big tagged office 365 mm -hmm. they just want file sharing that works you know so why don't you explain what SharePoint is? Well, SharePoint's quick. not going away, I'm afraid. That's, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's a Microsoft product. Is, there, is it called Collaboration Solutions? Yeah, but guess what? They stopped supporting public sites this month. Right, okay. So something is going away. <laughs> no, they, SharePoint's not going away anywhere because it's such wicked in the corporate world. And I mean, yeah, it um, is, it, it things is. like public folders in exchange where like you have your shared calendars, they want to get people away from public folders. And, and the only way, and the way to get, if you're having shared contact lists and shared uh, uh, calendars is done through SharePoint. That's the way they want people to go. Oh, uh, wait, Al, I will stop you. In a small firm, what I do is I make them buy a new mailbox. Yeah. And that's how they share it. <laughs> <laughs> I get them off the public calendar because you can't view it on an iPhone. No. And you can't view the public contacts on a iPhone or an Android. So if you buy a fifth mailbox or whatever, then everybody can add it to their phones and you're happy as clams. I was going to ask you about that because I know, I know you mentioned on another show and that's one of my mm -hmm. questions I was going to ask you. So. Oh, pretty much when I do my quotes now, like I'll get a, a company that has two or more people and I'll say, so do you want to share calendar and contacts? And they say, yeah, I go add on a mailbox. Yeah. Five bucks, because I did try that public calendar sharing on a phone um, six ways from Sunday and lost the battle. You just can't. Even apps don't work. So I tell people, spend the five extra bucks and you're good to go, and they, they don't complain. So yeah, we're just going back to the SharePoint thing as okay. well. You can do, you can have the, because when you go to, because you can, there's two ways you can do it. Because I had a problem, because I could not get. Because I know an old SharePoint, in a SharePoint at work, you can go to open in browser and then it pops up. Yes. And that's the way how I sometimes upload folders. So if I've got like five or six items I need to upload to SharePoint, I go to open in browser. Could I get that to work on one Windows 7 machine I was testing it out on? Yeah. No. And it was because of one little hot fix which wasn't installed. And it wasn't, and I had all my Windows updates installed. It was Windows 7, IE 11. And it would not, when you click on open in Internet Explorer, so open in Windows browser, it would not come up. And so I found this article, I'll give it to you, you can put it in the show notes. Okay. But it, boom, it opened up as soon as I put that hot fix on. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, maybe I should send that to one of my clients. Um, he only has a problem every blue moon, and I just showed him how to reattach his map drive, though. It's not just a folder, though, Al. This was, I said, he was one of the first ones I set up, Okay. And to get a map drive in SharePoint was back then the only way that, you know, he, he already had a server, so he just wanted that the same. Now, it doesn't work, of course, if it's off-site, so he has two computers and he doesn't care. But, but I think that um, when I started doing the SharePoint on the desktop, I was thrilled. It was working great. But then I got thinking, well, what about the next level? The, the, the thing about SharePoint with 
in corporations is it's a massive file sharing program that you can do so much with it you know like time cards HR I mean just accounting I mean I mean where I worked I've told this story we were um, uh, my company managed the network for the the Navy Marine Corps and all the uh, the network engineers logged into SharePoint to track the IP addresses there was hundreds thousands of spreadsheets in SharePoint all managed by department and this this and that I mean so it's wonderful and but it's just for a small business I'm not sure Al if this is the right choice mm. I'm talking to under 10 people you know so I actually have found a SharePoint administrator to refer my people to that really really want SharePoint because I'm really really gonna get out of it yeah it's, it's, yeah. you just have to learn to go through the office going into uh, into because once you've gone into if you if you're using Office 2013, when you go into Excel or Word and go to Open, it will when you will go it will say Open from File Browser or it will say Open from your team site and it will know what your team site is and that's and that's easy as well to save it in there as well. It's just getting the it's just getting the customer using it. So well, it's kind of part of the configuring though, Al, and I'm the way I'm talking about it is is maybe a little different than what you've seen. Mm. I mean, I'm just saying that there's three ways to skin a cat, right? Mine doesn't always bring up a SharePoint. You have to configure it first on the desktop, and that's where I'm having the struggles. Yeah, and going back, because then I, I thought about you said that, that the internet, the, the map network dropping. So I yeah. wanted to map the network drive, okay, so okay. I was doing some testing. So I mapped the network drive. When you reboot the machine, it, the little thing at the bottom says, uh-uh, you can't reconnect to this network drive. Yeah. And that's because... Because what? That's because of a thing called uh, the way it works. It's a thing. I'm sorry, it's called a uh, thing called Web Dev. It's a way of how Office 365 and SharePoint oh, yeah. connects to. Uh, and because when you but it stays though. My client that has the map drive, it stays for him. It only breaks every blue moon. Yeah. Well, the, so when, I, when I was doing my testing, I was googling it and stuff, and uh, it's done by design apparently. It, it uses, apparently is a cookie on your machine. When you visit uh, Office 365 site, and when you go to SharePoint, it puts a cookie on your machine, and it then. Uh, but when you remove your machine, that cookie gets removed, and that's why it can't re. It doesn't. It, it can't uh, basically uh, reconnect the uh, network drive again. I think what his has to do with some trusted sites issues. Because mm. you have to, if you get a chance, I'll put this video in my in the notes as well. Um, it's just a simple YouTube how to map SharePoint in Windows. Mm. And it's really simple, and it stays, but it loses the trusted sites at some point, and you have to be, here's the, here's the thing, you have to be logged in to Microsoft's uh, login portal, even if you don't have the window open. So you have to be logged in and stay logged in for it to work. That's the mm -hmm. trick. But you know what? Honestly, I, I think what it's come down to for me, Al, is I'm just losing interest in supporting stuff that frustrates me. And maybe... I'll admit I'm not the best SharePoint technician. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but guess what? I don't love it. I don't want to learn it now. I'm I'm better off focusing my time and money on Outlook and Exchange and learning these two things that make me money than to make things than be everything to everything. You know, I'm I'm like there's so much to Office 365 that I'm even thinking about renaming my show back to just they'll call that girl show, which is gonna make my producer laugh because. <laughs> I honestly don't think I'm going to do much more with it. I can't support all six products. 
I just can't. Well, maybe once I've done this migration, I mean, I'm only doing it in the prep stage at the moment, working like maybe once I come back and done the migration, I'll be like pulling my hair out, kind of thing, and I'll. Oh, anybody can call me for migration help. I had a guy that um, that that emailed me for a bunch of help. I answered his questions. He threw me fifty bucks in PayPal. I was like, "Hey, thanks, buddy." <laughs> but you know, people get stuck in snags, you know. And I do know migrations, and I do know Outlook really well. So to, you know. I love what I do. I don't like when I have to do things I don't love, you know. <laughs> it's just getting to me. I'm too old. So, Al, real quick, let's go to you back to your list. I see that you had this uh, click-to-run install. What do you, what's your thoughts on that with Microsoft? Yeah, so that's just one thing, Kate. So when you, if you buy the Office 2013 with the uh, with the Office 365, so you basically get the copy of Outlook, or sorry, the copy of Office with... Yeah. Uh, you can basically click on a, you go to the website and you click on the page. It basically downloads and stores on your machine, doesn't it? For, for, I love it. I yeah. love that install more than anything I've ever seen in my life. Thrilled. It's a, it's a problem if you've got to install it on like on 50 machines. That's the problem. Oh, I don't do that, but you no. do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Is there yes. like a big? So in the uh, in a corporate world, is there just one account, or does each person have their own? You have a thing where you have to, you still have to authenticate the uh, office. Authenticate, no, not authenticate. Yeah. When you have to, when you go in and you basically uh, tell it who you are, so that it basically not authenticate, yeah. uh, activate. Sorry. So there's a way of doing it. I'll put it in the show notes. But there's a way of thing which is as an office deployment toolkit for clip to run, and it's basically just an application you can down run, download from yeah. the office, obviously, and you basically just there's a there's an XML file you can configure. Oh. And you basically do, it's called setup.exe, and you do slash download and the XML file. It basically just pulls... Yeah, is that like a little batch? A little yeah, batch it's, like, it's a little batch file. So it basically pulls a copy of Office 365 <laughs> yeah. install files onto a local machine, onto, you can put it onto like a USB hard drive or a key. Did you, you guys go, write that yourself? No, it's, not, it's, an, it's an Office product. It's, it's oh. done by Microsoft. So. Oh, gotcha. I know a um, lot of corporations have their own batch. Yeah. I don't remember. I haven't used it in so long, batch. Whatever. Yeah, so this little file, this little thing. So yeah. you can then go to a PC, stick your USB hard drive or USB stick in, and run this command, and it goes and sources three six five. So you haven't got to download it fifty times, basically. Nice. Yeah, I've been out of the corporate world since two thousand seven, so I'm kind of out of all a lot of this stuff now. Yikes! I'll tell you though, Al, you make a lot more money on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I do like that click to install. It uh, it makes it easy for me because clients half the time they couldn't find their disks, they were lost, they couldn't read a G versus a B and an eight, and, <laughs> and oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I try to. Then you have to call Microsoft to get the license lifted, and eh, too much drama. I like this one, except now people don't remember what account they bought it with, what email of their fourteen that they have. Next on your list here, I do see that you want to talk about spam filtering with um, Exchange. Yes. Um, I use, I think mine's called Securetide. Uh, I use it through my vendor. Um, I have kind of a special deal set up with it, um, up to 20 people. I think it's 20 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Man, it works pretty good. My, my spam protection. Yeah, we, we normally sell a corporate product. But with Office 365, you get this thing called Exchange Online Protection. Have you heard of that before? E EOP? No, actually. What is it? Tell us about it. It's part of the Office 365 package. So is it something you could buy separate? Because I use a vendor, remember, Al? 
<laughs> well, I use a vendor for a reason, but do I already have it, maybe? I don't, I'm not familiar. Yeah, it, well, let's have a look. If you, That's it. Let's learn. There, right, well, this, <laughs> I was speaking to my, we had a, what is other customer I was talking about? It's actually a, a, a college, and okay. they get educational discounts. So we've, because we're a gold partner, we can phone them up, and we go to get through to someone. And they said, and they, they oh, this website they said go to go www.office365sd.com. Oh. It was basically Office 365 service descriptions, and it basically, if you go to that website, it basically tells you what you get for each of the products in the Office 365. Catalog. Oh yeah, that link I did check that out. I'll put that in the show notes too. So yeah, so yeah, that that's what you can get. So you can go there and you can basically tells you what you get for your money. So and well, here's the thing: is that this online exchange online protection, I am going to put this on a follow up for next week, Al, because yeah. I only talk about my vendor. That's what you always yeah. hear me say, my vendor. Yeah. And um, they have one, but theirs is a different product. So I'm right, going to okay. talk to them about the differences. Because I'd like to know. I'm gonna guess that they don't offer that one because they have their own. See. Well, that's the problem. Is that comes with Office. That's all built into Office 365. So. Why is it a dollar online then? It should be. It says it's a dollar a month. Depends what. I don't know what. Uh, depends what. I'm guessing what. Depends what package it is, isn't it? I'm see, Al. Here's the thing, Al. Is that I when I set up a client when they call in, I set them up on Exchange, not Office 365. See. Okay. So that might be the diff. Because mm -hmm. normally we sell it with yeah. the with the office. Because normally when we're doing yeah. this for our customers, they're having a brand new PC. Because again, oh. a lot of the customers we're dealing with is, is getting rid of their old rubbish PCs, their XPs and stuff. So. Okay. Well, I will check into that and do that as a follow up for next week. Because you know the th the other thing I was t trying to tell people, which I'm writing a blog actually for this Al, is that. You know, I use a vendor, and they do sell Office 365, but a lot of times my clients just need Exchange. Mm -hmm. So they don't need everything. So I only sell them the $4.95 plan a month. And so, you know, I always, I always tell them, though, you're not getting Office Exchange. You're getting or Office 365. You're getting Exchange, you know. Yeah. I'm very clear with that. And some people have actually to say, stop using that word because you're not buying that. You're not using it. All right, so I'm going to put in the show notes here that spam filter, the links to Office 365. Um, Al, you got anything else here today? Not really, no, that's it, I think. Yeah, I know it's late where you're at. I'm kind of ready for my Sunday night chillax in here. It's Sunday. Um, I just want to remind everybody that you can purchase and check out my ebooks at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. My fifth book, which is my... SEO guide to WordPress, which is awesome. It teaches you some blogging strategies to get higher ranks in Google. And of course, um, the Office 365 favorite is the how to do a Microsoft migration for email. And it has a step-by-step, -step, it's just a 22-page book. And then my, well, I meant to say this, my bestseller is the remote support book. Then I got social media and a man app, so they're just little little ones if you want to check them out. But the whole bundle's 49 on my website. You can check out the website, um, my YouTube site, youtube.com slash callthatgirl. And, of course, you can download all my shows at thepodnuts.com slash ctg website. I think that's it. That's my pitch, Al. Okay, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Thank you. And when I resume, I'm probably going to take a break after my next show for a little while. But when I resume, we'll 
get you back on and do some updates and see how many more migrations you've done and how many more headaches you have. <laughs> it's all fun. <laughs> all right, Al, thanks for coming along. Talk to you soon. Cheers, thank you. All right, bye-bye.